I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Muses and Stuff. This is Shanti here, and I'm doing the intro uh, by my lonesome today. Lynx is gone for a week, and so the episode that you're about to hear is a conversation with my friend Henny and I. Henny is from Finland. She's living in England, um, in London actually, and we met in Nepal last year. So it's kind of an episode that's like a throwback to the early muses and stuff days. If you've been with us since the beginning, then you might know that it was just me at the beginning uh, hosting the podcast. And so I would get my friends to come on and anybody who uh, was creative or artistic or musical, anything like that, or my brother. And we would talk about muses and music and groupies and all that great stuff. And then Lynx came on and changed my life for the better. But anyways, this episode is actually a lot of fun. Lynx and I talk about BSB, Backstreet Boys. And turns out it was true. As long as there'll be music, they'll be coming back again. The the BSB, we were obsessed with them. We were crazy about them. I mean, when they were huge in 1998 to 2000, we were at the perfect age, we were like 10 and, and 11 and 12 years old, so we just ate it up. And because Henny was in Finland, she got a little bit of a different experience, but it's really interesting. And I think even if you're not a Backstreet Boys fan, you can listen to it and at least have a laugh at our expense because some of the things that we did were absolutely ridiculous. I also go way back and tell you about how I started liking boys in kindergarten, how I had a crush on Tommy from the Power Rangers. And we also talk about how if you put that Backstreet Boys, um, the CD into your ROM drive on your computer, then you got to go into Backstreet World and how it just uh, was life changing. Um, Let's talk about Max Martin a lot. And um, You'll hear things about like uh, why I want it that way makes no sense and how they left it that way. 
Anyways, guys, it is springtime. It's friggin' gorgeous outside. It smells awesome. And uh, things are just going to start getting more exciting. Bands start to tour more often. So we're going to be going to, we're already going to a lot of shows, but we're going to be going to even more. We're going to be traveling ourselves in July and August. And in a couple weeks' time, um, at the end of May, last weekend of May, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's the TO Web Fest. And we're so excited to be a part of it. Um, just interacting with these people so far has been so lovely. They're really champions of independently created online content. And it's really nice that they're putting a spotlight on all kinds of Canadian creators. And But it's an, it's an international festival. So I'm really excited to check out what everybody else is doing in terms of web series and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And all of the stuff that's in uh, all of the content that's been included so far seems super interesting. So if you guys want to get tickets to the TO Webfest, you just go online and find them. And uh, you can you can purchase tickets for specific days or specific conferences. Um, if you yourself are, have, are not in the fest, but you are a web series creator, documentary, podcaster, anything like that, you can come, meet everybody anyways, come to the party, come have some snacks and come have some drinks and go to some of the great conferences and just mingle and meet people and have a great time anyways. So we hope to see you there. And uh, I really hope that you enjoy the episode this week. And don't worry, links will be back next week. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of Muses and Stuff. It's another little mini. And you've got half your co-host here, Shanti. And I've got my friend, Henny, with me here today. Hello. Hi, Henny. Hi, Chantal. How, How are you? you? I'm great. How you do? I'm doing good. Good. So I'm going to introduce you to our Muses and Stuff podcast fans. Originally from Lapland, Finland, Henny is a violinist, an Ashtanga yogi, a world traveler, and currently living in London, England. Henny is also the composer of our Muses and Stuff theme music. So I have a big, big, big thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. It was uh, funny because I had, I think, three or four people offer and agree to record or, yeah, to record, kind of compose, I guess, write the intro for me. And so I gave them all an idea of what I wanted. And I originally was like, piano. I want it on piano. I definitely want it on piano. And here's a song that (laughs) I want, this this general vibe. And I got like three people then give me back um acoustic guitar so you asked for piano and you got guitar and it was nothing like what i had uh asked for at all i mean i appreciated i really really appreciated my friends that uh i guess took their interpretation of like what my like what my theme music should sound like um and i really appreciated the effort but it just it just wasn't right so i held off and it wasn't until what like episode i think 21 or 22 that we got our theme music in but i think it's sometimes with that kind of thing it's it's worth waiting and getting that product that you want instead of rushing into it yeah you need a it's kind of I think it could be quite hard if you need to rush a creative process. Yeah, and um, I think even though I had originally thought, well, piano, I know that you are a violinist and uh, you gave me something kind of better than I could have imagined in the first place anyways. So on behalf of Lynx and I, we thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. So uh, Henny and I um, originally met in Nepal just over a year ago today. Yeah, just over a year ago. Yeah, it was. We met at the art house of Kathmandu. Like so many of our other friends. Yeah, and I remember uh, Mark was telling me, oh, you're going to love Henny, you're going to love Henny. She's from Finland, she does yoga. And as soon as you walked in the door, you saw me and you're like, I've heard so much about you. And you gave me a big hug. And I'm pretty sure we spent almost every single day together um, until I left. Yeah. It was a nice time. It was an incredible time. Life-changing, mm. really. It was. And then I went off to Ireland and uh, England, where you currently are. And then we met up. We met In up Venice. In Venice. 
Yeah. Yeah, Where we had the world's the most expensive taxi ride of my life. (laughs) It was crazy go like going from being uh in Nepal for a month and then spending twice as much money in a week in Venice than we did all month in Nepal. Yeah. Anyway, but it, it like it was an ex- excellent experience. But one of my favorite things with you that we did in Venice, anyways, was just like sitting beside water and making some stuff, making some crafty stuff, and not spending money. Some Venetian masks. Yeah, exactly. So, honey, you are in England right now. You've lived all over the world. Can you uh, tell the listeners maybe some of the places where you've lived? I grew up in uh, the southern part of lapland which is all the way up north in finland it's uh, a lot like canada um then we moved to the united states i lived near chicago for four years we moved back to finland i went to school in sweden did high school in singapore uni in england and then i went to do a master's back home in finland went to south africa for a bit back to finland then a few years ago i moved to nepal for work and then rediscovered my love for playing violin there and kind of been on that musician's journey since and decided to come to England to uh, learn not only how to teach music, but to develop more as a violinist. You're so talented. It's ridiculous. I hardly oh, thank have you. a musical bone in my body. And one of the most I think special experiences that I ever had was sitting in um sitting in my room at the art house on David Tashi's birthday and you and a friend of yours were performing for him as a gift and you were practicing in my room and uh just just being there and listening to it I yeah it it was just one of the most beautiful special moments of my whole life yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, it was all in candlelight as well because we didn't have any electricity at that point. Yep, it was. It was load shedding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So can you explain to me, I've been waiting to really get into this with you because I just want to catch it on here first. Can you explain to me this poetry brothel that you're a part of? Uh, yes. So here in London, I am a part of this Uh, artistic community of artists and poets mainly and we instead of having boring lecture halls (laughs) full of recited poetry what we do is we take those poetry out of books and those stuffy lecture halls and place it into the plushy interiors of a brothel and uh, we don't sell our body; we sell our souls. Wow! Uh, we've got uh, we've got quite a few whores. I think. Well, let me just check. We've got. Did you just say that you have quite a few whores? Yeah, I've got eleven whores. I'm one of the whores. That's amazing. And there's actually two of us who play violin. Another one, Barbara Bartz. She's amazing as well. An absolutely amazing, sensitive violin player. Um, and so we play poetry via our violins so we make more lyrical musical poems and whilst the others are uh, do their vocal recitations we have open performances when we have events and then we uh, when a John like we say or when our guests uh, like what we do they can uh, hire us for a private reading and so, we'll take him to a little corner of the, the brothel and they get a private reading one on one. So sexy. What do you wear? Uh well I try to wear something nice and sexy, something that befits my alter ego, my whore alter ego. So I'm Arctic Trixie. Oh man. And we all have a story behind our alter egos and Quite a few of us stay in character throughout the night, so it's it's an immersive. That sounds experience, like so theater experience. Much fun! Can I can I be one of the whores when I come and visit you? Uh, you do have to be a poet. So you need to bring some or some kind of musical contribution. I can I can be a poet. You can be a poet. You'll have to pass through the our 
artistic directors fine tooth comb done if you do so that's fine i want to i want to <laughs> but it w- i'd love to have you come over and visit and see what it's like yeah that sounds great well, what, what would my what would my horn name be i don't know i think something with unicorn Mm. Yeah, I guess that would make sense on a few different kinds of levels. If anybody listening can think of a nice uh, poetry brothel whore name for me, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, it takes a, it took me a few weeks to come up with mine. Something that so Arctic Trixie, is it Arctic because of like where I'm from? Because of northern being in northern northern Finland. Um, okay. Great. So I guess maybe it'd have to be like something sort of Northern Ontario, like, um, yeah, I don't even, I, I can't even imagine what mine would be at this point. Um, okay. So this performance is actually going quite well. So we've got our next performance on Saturday and it's already sold out. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, we'll link up, um, We'll link up the information to all those events so our listenership in London can go and check that out. We also have poetry brothels. There's poetry brothels all around the world. Ooh. It started off in South America, if, if I remember correctly. There's one in New York. There might be one in Toronto You might or Montreal, I think. They might have one in Canada. They would definitely have one in Montreal, I think. Yeah. I think it's always funny how people who aren't Canadian say Montreal and they say Montreal. Montreal. May, <laughs> and maybe it's because I grew up in the Midwest. And maybe London. Maybe Londoners would say it differently. May, yeah, maybe. So, honey, um, another reason why you have been summoned here today is because. We are going to talk about boy bands. Specifically, we are going to talk about BSB, Backstreet Boys, Backstreet's Back. As long yeah. as, there'll, as there'll be music, they'll be coming back again. They said that in 1998. And here we are. 2017. They were right. Yeah, and they're still coming back. I just checked. They're now doing shows in Las Vegas, I think. Yeah, Las Vegas. They're headlining um, a music festival in Quebec this summer. So... Yeah, I'm going to formally, I mean, before we even get into our love and childhood obsession over the Backstreet Boys, I'm going to like formally and officially invite anyone or all of the Backstreet Boys to be some kind of contributor to this podcast. Um, yeah, I'm going. I'm going after it. Yeah, after how many years has it been? Oh my god, (laughs) 20, like it's got to be like 18 or so years. So do you want to, do you want to tell me your BSB story? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, Why don't you go first? Okay, so I became obsessed with the Backstreet Boys when I was about 10 years old. Um... And so at that time, like in my household, I'd been listening to a lot of like what my older brother was listening to. And I listened to like a lot of what my family was listening to, which was good music. It was great. Um, It was a lot of like best of albums like Eagles. And we were listening to a lot of Tom Petty, of course. And we were listening to Alanis Morissette, Aerosmith, all that kind of stuff. But they were like the first band really that was mine that I decided that I wanted to go out and and purchase the album like besides the Space Jam album that was my first purchase Backstreet Boys was second and um I had a best friend named Stephanie and her older sister was seven years older than us and her older sister was really into like All for One and Blackstreet and those kinds of bands which essentially are boy bands but um they were more you know, I guess like R&B, that kind of thing. And uh, they they weren't, which I found out later when I was listening to this uh, interview that AJ McLean did uh, from the Backstreet Boys. He said that the like BSB were highly influenced by these kind of boy bands anyways. And um, yeah, they did covers as well in some of their concerts. those guys, right? Yep. But I was horribly embarrassed horribly embarrassed that I liked BSB and I'm sorry to say it but I was because everybody gave me shit about it 
all of my brothers all of my brothers friends I remember being at like a Christmas party with all of um like my brother's hockey teams and like an MTV thing came on and they'd mentioned Backstreet Boys and I'd be like oh my god I'm so excited and they would all be like ooh boo boo this and that and they don't write their own music and and uh so I just kind of kept my love very quiet and it came the time it was on Christmas time where I wanted Backstreet's back for Christmas and it was funny to us at the time because it's like wait a second how can Backstreet Boys be back isn't this their first album because they didn't start getting popular in America and Canada until the release of their second album which is going to be interesting when you tell your story because in Finland it's a bit of a different story yeah right so it I got their first CD first and then I finally had to almost come out of the BSB closet and be like I like this band and I had to tell my friend Stephanie and she laughed at me at first and then I found out fucking years later that she loved them too she would like act like she didn't like it when I put them on but she really secretly did. And if you put on any of their albums, like the first three anyways, because those are the ones that we listened to. Um, the first like Backstreet Boys album, you know, with the, I think it was just Backstreet Boys and it had a red cover and then Backstreet's Back and then Millennium. So we were like the first three albums. Um, she loves them. And uh, it's funny because you'll go, like I've been to house parties or I've been to 90s nights and any Backstreet Boys song comes on and everybody freaks out. They love it. So I think a lot of people liked them a lot more than they ever led on to anyways. And then I was the one that was proudly being like, I'm obsessed with them and I love them. And then once I kind of came out of that closet, it was full force obsession posters all over the walls who was your favorite who was your favorite nick nick 110 percent unwavering i never jumped around to any of the other ones like i did with the moffats um or i don't know any other bands that i was like oh well i like this member now i'm gonna see what it's like if i maybe like this one nope i was diehard nick all the way forever yeah um yeah posters all over the walls I would tape everything that came on I even went to my brother's friend's house who had pay-per-view and his mom let me go into her room one night and I ordered the uh, BSB live in Orlando the homecoming show and I just like spent a Friday night alone loving my life watching this show and like I think I taped it and I watched it over and over again and until you know yeah obsessed absolutely obsessed honey i wrote the bsb fan mail i prayed to god often that (laughs) i would someday somehow meet them and somehow meet nick carter and i would say things to my mom like mom i know that it seems a real like a really big age difference right now i'm 11 and he's 19 but it's really not going to matter that much when i'm 20 and he's 28 yeah (laughs) So, I mean, I have a lot more to say about it, but I'll stop there and I'll let you explain your BSB story. Uh, my BSB story, I think, starts in about 1996, 1997. And we had, I think I was in sixth or seventh grade, and we had a friendship school down uh, in southern Finland. And they came on a trip up north to visit our school and we had a disco <laughs> and in between Stalin, uh everybody got to bring all of uh, their own music and one of the teachers was the DJ and after playing Mariah Carey's Without You about 10 times in a row or was it Hero try, just trying to get us sixth graders to do slow dances Aww. girl and boy um one of the girls from the other Pedersöre school, a friendship school, wanted to show how her and her friends could do this dance routine. And it turned out to be, we've got it going on with the Backstreet Boys. And we all kind of, um, most of us girls in my class decided that we really liked that song. So we did some research and found out that it was the Backstreet Boys. We've got it going on for you. And it was their yeah, it was their first album, yeah, and they were they were really big in Sweden, and I was in school in Sweden at that point, so 
uh, because probably because uh, most of the writers at that point uh, for the Backstreet Boys songs like were Max from Martin. Sweden. Max Martin, Dennis Pop. So they usually trialed everything out. Kind of everything came out in Sweden and Germany first. So we were just, and then they just became big in Finland as well. Yeah. And then they came out with, I'm never going to, I know I'm, I'm not going to break your heart. I can't believe I don't even remember oh, all the names. So you can correct me. Games. No, not that one. In I'll, never, I'll never break your heart. With my one. heart. I'll, I'll never break. I'd die than live without you. I'll give you all of me, honey. That's, that's not no lie. lie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to scare off any listeners. <laughs> so. I think they're used to it by now. Yeah. And yeah, then it just kind of, kicked off and all of us in, a, in my class we had about 11 girls and we were really into it the two boys so had in our class well they were kind of pussy whipped already so they didn't have much to say and the, the biggest drift that came within our class then was when the Spice Girls came out and then it was Spice Girls versus Backstreet Boys and the one girl that still like take that <laughs> British band and <laughs> They were not big at all with my crowd. Yeah. But even, like, I felt that I was kind of alone, you know? Like, I felt like even the girls at school, like, nobody was step would even step up and say that, like, I like this, and even though everybody did. So for me, it felt like something that was almost very personal. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had this, like, personal thing that was like, this is my band, and these are my guys, and Nick Carter is my boyfriend. Like, I used to love going to bed. Like, nobody ever had to tell me, okay, it's bedtime, because I'd be like, yeah, I think I'm just going to go put myself to bed, because what I would do is I would go, and I would lie down, and I would go into this total fantasy dream world where I would just imagine scenarios of, like, what my life would be like if they, like, came to my school, or if, like, like if Nick Carter just, if he only just had a chance to meet me and see me, then what yeah. things could be like. Do you know what you I mean? You could get married, like, have raised a family, and he'll yeah. never break your heart. Oh my god, so in terms of like the video, my timeline is a little bit confused. I'm a little bit confused with my own timeline because I remember being at my grandmother's house and being with my cousins and then the Quit Playing Games With My Heart video came on. Now if anybody doesn't know what that video is, even if you're not a BSB fan, I highly recommend that you go and look at that video and just imagine what it's doing to like like young girls or boy, and for sure young boys at that time too. But there's this, like it's just this video where they're just... um you know, just like regular, like hanging out, singing, um, pointing to the camera. Like you should see some of the looks that Nick Carter is giving the camera. Same thing with Brian. And then all of a sudden this, I don't know what you call the point where a song completely changes. And I don't know if the key changes or whatever, but it's like, baby, baby, see, this is not right. Let's stop this tonight. And then like the rain starts falling. It's and the middle eight. The, yeah. Okay. The middle eight. And then, um, all of a and it, sudden and it modulates and it starts to rain yeah so all now they're all soaking wet and, wearing white shirts and howie is just totally like doing the wave with his stomach and nick at this point still had his shirt buttoned up i don't know because he was like too young or just because like he just like it was too it was too sexualized for him but like the older guys in the band were like pretty much completely shirtless whereas nick was still kind of like yeah i i hear his parents didn't want him to mm. get too undressed makes sense but so I remember seeing that and still being like a little too young to really like really like recognize any kind of like sexual feelings but I just remember because I remember liking boys since I was in kindergarten I would come home and be like I have a big crush like I would talk about Billy constantly Billy Billy and my parents were always like okay so there's this boy at school and I used to hide his shoes every day because he totally ignored me so I would hide <laughs> his shoes every single day um, in hopes that once I found them, which I inevitably, inevitably did, that he would be, like, so thankful to me that he would, like, want to be my friend and live happily ever after. Did it work? After. Fuck no. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
Um, and I used to like have a big crush on like Tommy from the Power Rangers. Like I had a crush on one of my cousins. Like I, I really liked boys since I was a really young, but that was about it. You know what I mean? Um, so I recognized that I really liked Nick Carter. So a lot of like my fantasy stuff and a lot of my in my mind stuff was really, really, really innocent. It was more romantic other than like rather than sexual. Um, but I remember there was this one point where I was having a sleepover with my friend Steph that I was telling you about and she was on her bed and I was on the floor and I think I started getting I don't know what she might have thought maybe like inappropriate with like one of her pillows <laughs> and she's just like stop it and I couldn't stop laughing it's like molesting a pillow imagining it's Nick Carter this might have exactly yeah that might have happened so I'm yeah, definitely wait, you have gonna... to fight me tooth and nail for that because you know Nick Carter was mine but I was lucky with my friend group brunch because uh, uh, one of my friends was into Kevin. The other one was into Brian. So we didn't, there was no fight. Yeah. And we couldn't understand each other's choices. But, you know, we just respected it. And that's the same thing, like the girls, like who had the Beatles, you like, we, there was the Paul girl and there was the John girl and there was the George girl and there was always yeah. a Ringo girl. And, you know, the Ringo girl is the Kevin girl. We all know that and um you just like respected each other and you stayed off each other's territory and yeah for sure uh, question is did you ever see them live yeah i saw them uh for their millennium tour so we had taken a bus from my hometown to toronto which was about five hours my mom and a bunch of my brothers hockey players little sisters we all went together and um it was it was one of the best shows I've ever been to. It was one of my first concerts, and it was honestly one of the best ones. It was so much fun. And we were there with our friends and our moms, and we knew all of the songs because it had only been the first three albums released at that point. And honestly, I stopped after Millennium. Oh, yeah. I, I moved on after that, but uh, so I think the yeah, one I don't after think that I have any past millennium either the one after that was black and blue but uh the ones that i did love i loved them very 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 honestly and you know the other bands that i sort of compare to that too are like the foo fighters i really really like the first three maybe four foo fighters albums i really like the first three four Coldplay albums and then after that it's just like mm, you know what i see that they've evolved as a band in this in this way but I will re-listen to these first three or four albums over and over again. And that was my time. That was when I really loved them. And I'm happy that they're still making music and everything. But I'm not necessarily sure. I don't know how I would feel at uh, Backstreet Boys concert these days. Like, I I don't know. Um, but maybe... I went in my later days. Oh, did you? Uh, because when they came for the, uh, the, the Backstreet Boys back tour, where was it? The Millennium... <laughs> We were too young to travel down to Helsinki and we didn't really have money with my friend. So, and the next time they actually came to Finland was in 2009. Mm -hmm. And I remember my friend was pregnant at the time when they announced that they're coming. And she was, uh, and she was going to give birth in August. They were coming in December. And she was like, I think at that point I could probably leave the baby at home. So let's book tickets. Mm -hmm. So we did. And we got uh, sitting tickets uh, up in the balconies of the Hartwell Arena in Helsinki. And just, you know, bought some candy, had some wine beforehand and Aww, sat there calmly. Like and a lot of fun. And, you know, nothing too wild so i were you i'm guessing you and your friends were screaming oh and crying i wasn't crying i was definitely screaming i remember there was i remember this one time being at the grocery store in my like little tiny hometown and all of a sudden seeing this like backstreet boys cut out and there was this like you could possibly win uh tickets to go see them and so of course i entered it and of course i like even like sent them mail being like please give me tickets I just want to go to your show so bad and then feeling like really upset and confused when like I didn't win the concert because I was like I am the biggest fan that I know but I kept it like fairly like I said I kept it fairly secret do you know what I mean because it wasn't yeah. cool to like that I definitely didn't have like the support of like my brothers my dad was always really really sweet about it and 
he never said anything about you know he never made me feel bad about it and if I wanted to listen to him then he definitely let me and um, I remember being in the car with my mom once I had purchased the first BSB album after the second one and then the song came on you're the one for me you're my ecstasy you're the one I need and I was like what's ecstasy <laughs> and i think she says something like it's out she's yeah she's oh my god that video is hilarious too because you can tell that they have no idea what the fuck they're doing they're just like dancing around and they're like obviously and, having fun and aj but, rapping oh yeah but i think my mom said she was like oh like in terms of what ecstasy was she was like it's a drug that makes you do really crazy things <laughs> that's not even the ecstasy that they meant in the song <laughs> well you're my ecstasy yeah I, it can go both well, ways right sorry, like ecstasy yeah. is also a feeling but it's also like is that not where ecstasy the drug got its name yeah i don't know i'm pretty sure she went straight for the the drug metaphor <laughs> like definition yeah but i knew like i knew everything about them i knew where they all came from i knew everything about their siblings like i knew i followed uh everything about like the girlfriends that they had at the time i knew aj's dog like aj had a dog named panda i knew that nicholas jean carter do you know what i mean like i was i was crazy about them like I stayed at my grandmother's house for a few um I don't know like a few weeks at a time sometimes like my or a week at a time when um my brother would go in hockey tournaments and I would like bring my BSB poster and hang it up in the room because it was comforting uh yeah it's just like did you ever put one of those uh the cds into the computer (gasps) oh Yes, and all, oh it, all of a sudden, God, it, that was you put fun. the CD in the CD-ROM drive back in those days, and all yeah. of a sudden, we were just going to listen to it because my friend's CD player was broken, so we put it in her computer, and all of a sudden, it's just like, "Welcome to Backstreet <gasps> World," and we were like us eleven, what? No, what were we like twelve? We were just like in complete oh, ecstasy. Was... There's stupid quizzes and yeah, that was brilliant. I remember that everything that you possibly could do or know or anything like that. I I ate it all up. I bought all of the stuff. I I all of the magazines, the VHS tapes, the VHS tapes. I recorded everything that they put out, like on Much Music. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the um, I Want It That Way video and just having such deep feelings, just experiencing such deep emotions. And I think one of those like really, really deep emotions was like a real deep desire, like, a oh, my God, you are my fire, the one desire. And the, and the lyrics don't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but like it didn't have but they, to. Like... Apparently, they decided that decided it that way because Max Martin, when he wrote it, it didn't uh it didn't quite translate but then Mm. when they tried to make it sense then it just sounded weird and clunky so the boys made an executive decision at which point they could and said "Uh, i know we know it doesn't make any sense but it just sounds better this way so does that mean that max martin wrote the lyrics in swedish first no not swedish no it's um... just i think it's just just the way his mind works i guess oh okay okay yeah, so I don't know, like, um, and and I have to, like, I have to think that that really deep obsession and that real desire and the, like, wanting to be close and the wanting to be, like, a part of it, it has to have spiraled into everything else that I've done, like, into, you know, having a podcast about groupies and being a proud, you know, a, a proud groupie, which later, you know, like, then I was like hanging out following spending time with having relationships with uh bands and guys in bands and musicians and you know the idea of the poet and uh you know like the Backstreet Boys promised a lot of really heavy things like they promised a lot of um you know like that they would never break our heart or um all I have to give that video um all kinds of nice oh, romantic oh, notions yeah. that uh, that young teenage girls will simply eat up. 
to get to you, I'd walk a thousand miles. I, I never liked that song. That, <laughs> oh, there was always I quite loved a it. few. I there was always it. quite a few songs in each of their albums that were just kind of like really boys. But they, I feel like they set the like the bar high, you know. And yeah, like I didn't get to have Elvis, and I didn't get to have the Beatles. And I keep saying that, like I'm kind of, like angry about it or whatever. But I'm not. I had fun. I really enjoyed being a little, you know, backstreet groupie, and I loved yeah. being in my own little fantasy world with them. And who would have thought that? Okay, so I was in I was in university. Like, what is it? Uh, oh my god! Like eight years ago now and uh, maybe even more than that and I'd heard that Nick Carter was coming to Toronto for a birthday party like he was hosting his own birthday party and I knew like I could travel from Peterborough to Toronto and go to his birthday Did you party gate crash? and pay $50 a ticket well at that point I wasn't really into it I was into like the groupy stuff that I was doing in town you know at that point I was like eh, I don't really know if I want to go to this I didn't know if anybody would want to go with me and I don't think still in the secret. <laughs> I don't think Nick Carter was very well at that time. Anyways, like I know he like they a lot of them had especially like Nick and AJ had problems with addiction uh, for a while. And I don't think he was very he I think he might have been in one of those kind of times. So I didn't really want to go and like see him in this like like party club sense. Whereas it's really, really crazy to think now that, um, you know, we're doing a podcast on legendary music muses, groupies, uh, rock and rollers, like we're talking about Led Zeppelin and those guys, like three of them are still alive, you know, and they're still making music and like David Gilmore is going on tour, like Tom Petty is doing his 40th anniversary tour, like all of these like great oldies that I am obsessed with like they're all still active and doing stuff now when people are saying like oh rock and roll is dead man or like it's so not true if anything I think that we're in one of the best times for music right now and I and like yeah there's a lot of good stuff going on and especially in the like alternative and the underground scenes here in London I'm I'm hearing lots of like really excellent stuff I can't wait to come wonderful singers songwriters yeah, like our friend Simeon, for example. Everybody should go Simeon's and donate right. to her GoFundMe account. She's trying to make an album right now, and she's like one of the most talented, beautiful voices of our entire generation. Yeah. So people need to I listen guess up who's and... featuring on that? It's you, honey, isn't it? And, uh, on, my, on my little fiddle, yeah. It's you, Arctic Trixie. Yes. Well, not as Arctic Trixie. <laughs> There's also um, uh, another really good like, music society called the Lantern Society, which has really nice old um like folk music like folk rock music and really really beautiful singer songwriters Mm -hmm. it's well worth checking out if you're ever coming by london town well i'm gonna be there as you know in august so maybe i'll be um podcasting from what's going on in the in the london scene which will be great because i know pamela debar always had a really big uh pull towards England and I really yeah I love um, English musicians and people and I'd really like to check out what's what's going on there and go see it for myself I mean I was only there for a week last year and that just wasn't enough and uh, yeah some people are pulled to New York some people are pulled to LA I'm really into what's going on in in London so I have a question for you what's up so when did your love for the Backstreet Boys kind of fade away Good question. Um, and what what re- what replaced it, or where did you move? Good question. In terms of listening to music, um, I th- funny enough, I think I went from Backstreet Boys. So I was then when Millennium came out. I must have been because in nineteen ninety eight, I was ten. Millennium came out. I was about twelve. So when I started, I think when I really started to become like a a teenager and uh I loved those albums and I I didn't love what was going on with uh not that I didn't like black and blue I was just I think I had spent three really intense years like dedicating and dedicating and devoting a lot of time and energy and like you're out of love (laughs) and I thank them for it like it was a really really great time for me but when I was 13 years old, I'm trying to think of what I was listening to. I think that's when I started to get into, like, the Foo Fighters and stuff, to be honest with you. I started going back to, like, what my what my brother was listening to. And I think I started, uh, like, yeah, 
going 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 there um i i feel like for me it was uh i didn't at some point it just yeah i'd had enough of the music and i felt i was moving on there was we started listening to or i started listening to some nirvana and i think at some point it was really this because i'm from northern finland and heavy metal is or like and heavy rock is really prominent part of our or is a really prominent part of our scene there so i mm-hmm. really started to listen to like finnish bands like sentence and nightwish and other kind of more heavy music like heavy rock yeah and then it just kind of and i felt like i kind of like outgrew that kind of like crush yeah on the Backstreet Boys and Nick Carter, and then he just didn't. He just seemed like a a baby, <laughs> in a way, and which was kind of weird. I remember when I heard that he'd gotten caught drunk driving or doing drugs, and all of a sudden I was like, "Ooh, maybe he's not so, yeah, not so angelic. Maybe maybe he's worth a second look." But it was just more in jest. I don't know. Then it just kind of moved on from there. And I don't know. At some point, I just became very eclectic because I was I was being classically trained as a violinist, but then liking all the normal, like, you know, music that everybody else does. Honestly, I would have to go back and I have to sit and I have to really think about it because a lot of this is and a lot of this process has been really like taking a look back and trying to figure out when and how things started and um like I know that I was really into like Will Smith but I think he also put out he put out that Y2K album so that was also around uh Millennium so there's a few years there where I'm not exactly sure what I was into yeah, there, there was so a I'm, kind of R&B yeah kind of bridge which going I was into. on um, but I'm really going to have to think about it. And and <laughs> those are some of the lost years. So I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. Yeah. It's weird how we can say, like, what music were you listening to in 2006? And I can't actually remember anything. Okay, so 2006 for me. What was were you listening when, to? Was when I graduated high school. So I was listening to a lot of Serge Gainsbourg and the Hives. I think... Uh, when I graduated from high school, we were listening to a lot of what seemed to be going on with that anthem rock, like P.O.D. Yeah, I wasn't uh, Limp Biscuit was mm, in. Uh, oh, Pre- right. oh, but I did like uh, Portishead's Glory Box was <laughs> a big tune for me at that point. And Fiona Apple. I like oh, Fiona Apple. Oh, that was, yeah, yeah. She was good. I think like Fiona Apple, what else was going on? Natalie Imbruglia. Um, and okay. I, I'm never yeah. a fan of Natalie Imbruglia. And then mm-hmm. I, I did like some Finnish music, like rock music. Um, I was into Avril Lavigne when she first came out. Like her first album, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's starting to. I'm starting. It's starting. It's starting to, to be like things. the the confessions list. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I think yeah. I was listening to uh, what year did Kid A come out? That was the no first. Idea. That was the first Radiohead album that uh, I really got into, and so I'm just wondering what year it came out. Um. I remember when 2000? Coldplay. Okay, yeah, it was. I remember when Coldplay came out, and it was just like I never really got what people saw in that band. Oh, I didn't really get it at first, and then I was like full on crazy into Parachutes and A Rush of Blood to the Head. I still think that they're they're two of my favorite albums, for sure. Okay, so I went from Backstreet Boys to Kid A in 2000, and then I saw a Foo Fighters concert in 2002. So yeah, that like. That's kind of where things started smooth to change. transition. Smooth transition, yeah. Well, but, it's smoother, okay. smoother than my Backstreet Boys to heavy metal. Let me just say this, Henny, because you know what? This isn't even a mini episode anymore. This is just a regular no, length episode. A it's a, so discussion. it's not a mini. It's a bonus, but um, because every episode that I do without my co-host is just a bonus. Otherwise, now it's not. I mean, yeah. Because I got a badass co-host now named Lynx. And sometimes I'm like, um, Lynx, I'm going to record an episode about the Backstreet Boys. And she's like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, for the record, so we're both kind of uh, putting ourselves out there. 
we were Backstreet Boys fans. We're quite proud of that. And now. you know what? I still am. Say it with proud. I still am. With pride. I yeah. really, really want to watch that live in Orlando again, but I can't find it anywhere online, and I can't even purchase it off iTunes because it's only in the American store. I think I, I have a VHS somewhere in a storage house somewhere in oh, northern it's finland a, it's such a good concert when aj humps the floor oh my god work your body work your body hey mr dj okay anyways so this is what i'm gonna say to just like wrap this up because i've got a sweet lasagna waiting for me um i'm gonna say that okay so 18 years ago i prayed to the sweet lord that i would someday meet the backstreet boys and nick carter and they are coming to Quebec this summer, and you know all the the Lord works in mysterious ways is all I'm gonna say, and so uh, I might just have my chance. Are you going to be there, Nick, Howie, AJ, Kevin, and Brian? Shanti's coming for you. Yeah, watch out! Watch out! Shanti's back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just speechless right now. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure the I'm sure the boys are too. Yeah. The Backstreet Boys? Yeah, because they're no doubt listening to this. No doubt listening to this episode. Because I'm gonna tag the shit out of them. Alright, honey. So when we just right before we wrap up, can you tell me or tell the listeners where we can find your poetry brothel or your music or anything else you'd like to share? Um, I'm actually still working on getting some kind of uh, website or something for myself, but I'm going to be featuring on Simeon's album, uh, hopefully, when it comes out. There's going to be a few songs coming out for an EP soon. Uh, we're recording in early April, in a few weeks. Um, I've also done some stuff with Mark, who featured in one of your uh, earlier podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, so on his YouTube channel, you can find some stuff. Otherwise, you're just going to have to see me live, and that's where I do my best stuff. So you'll have to come by the Poetry Brothel if you visit London. Sounds great. Yep, I'm definitely going to be there with you and Simeon in August, and I can't wait, and I can't wait to share it with all the listeners. Uh, you can find myself and the links online on Facebook, Muses and Stuff Podcast, and on Instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast. We have Twitter, which is at Shanti and Links, and I think I'm pretty funny, so you should go and follow me there because yeah. um, I say some pretty funny shit, I think. And uh, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It's just another way for other people and other freaks who are into this uh kind of weirdo madness to be able to listen and enjoy and hopefully share some of their groupie stories themselves and if you do want to read up on my horror alter ego and find out a little bit more about the poetry brothel you can do so at www.poetrybrothellondon.com perfect okay honey baby i love you so much thank you for doing this with love me. you too shanti corn and uh yeah i'll just hit uh stop on this recorder then you and i can just wrap it up and send kisses throughout uh the airwaves but thank you everybody for listening and uh thanks for having me uh, you're very welcome and we'll see everybody very soon bye bye have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered But wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.